Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. This fall, we are letting the gospel of Luke work on us with a particular emphasis to the way Luke tells stories in the double. Uh, Luke has this way of pairing characters. Uh, Last week it was Simeon and Anna. We have Elizabeth and Zechariah. And this week there are actually two stories, though we read one. There are two stories in Luke's gospel about forgiveness in front of the Pharisees. Two occasions where Jesus demonstrates not only an ability to forgive sins, but also an ability to understand what is going on in here and here. Two occasions where Jesus is moved by the faith of people who came to them came to him. Uh, First, a group of friends who lowered their friend through a roof to see Jesus, and here, this woman who lays at his feet. But today, we're going to focus in on this scene in Simon's house. And my prayer is uh, that as we read this old and perhaps familiar text, that the Holy Spirit would awaken something new in you and me and each of us. In fact, let's pray now, asking the Lord for just that. Lord, we pray that as we rehearse this story, you would reveal something that is true about you and about us. Make us ever so open to all that you have to hand us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we make our way into this scene, this scene in Simon's house, I believe it has much to say. But the Lord has much to say to us about what it means to walk with him and what it means to be forgiven. Uh, But as I've spent the week in this text, I've come out with this conviction uh, and I want to give you a, a conviction right out of the gate and it's this, to fully savor forgiveness we must appreciate, you might even say practice, confession. To to fully savor forgiveness, we must first appreciate confession. And I say that knowing that confession is an odd and awkward thing. In in churches like this one, uh, confession is something we talk about a lot and practice very little. It's like brushing our teeth with oven mitts on. Like, you know, I know how to brush my teeth, and I know oven mitts, I know what the words mean, but we don't have much practice here, do we? And yet the Christian tradition, the stream of the Christian tradition is broad here. From priests and booths to the Jesus prayer that people will pray hundreds of times a day, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. 
a sinner. To the preamble of public prayer that happens in many worship services where every public prayer begins with, Lord, forgive me. Almost as if there's an assumption that if the Lord doesn't hear that part of the prayer, he won't hear the end of it. The stream of the Christian tradition is broad, and yet in my experience, we are most comfortable confessing what we do not like about confession. They don't love the way, why would I stand in a booth and confess my sins to somebody who may have more than me? The trite formula that comes with so many liturgies. And yet over and over again, we're reminded this has been a part of our experience from the very beginning. From the very beginning, that scene in the garden. We get questions. Adam, Eve, where are you? Why are you hiding? What have you done? Did the Lord really need us to recount where we were and what we did? There's something that happens as we read Leviticus this summer. Did you notice how participatory it was? As the Jewish people laid their hands on their offering and made confession of their sins. James, who tells us, confess our sins one to another. There's something that happens in us. And I believe to fully savor forgiveness, we must first appreciate confession. So I'm going to invite you into something this morning, knowing full well it's it's different, well outside the bounds of our normal. But you walked in this morning, and you probably sit down if you weren't paying attention on an index card and a pencil. And throughout the sermon... As I make my way through this scene in Simon's house, I want to invite you to make confession. Now, you may write in shorthand if you're worried about your neighbor looking over your shoulder. You're not going to turn them in. You're not going to sign them. It's just a simple note card. Everybody except for Poozie, I put a notebook in his chair. (laughs) I want to invite you to make confession. Because to fully appreciate, to fully savor forgiveness, we must practice confession. And I want to invite you to trust me, or at least trust the Spirit's ability to work through even me as we come into this scene in Simon's house. So throughout the message, as you think about the forgiveness that you need to receive or extend, just jot it down in a note as we make our way through this scene in Simon's house. But as we come into Simon's house, I want to make you aware of a couple lies, two lies that we are likely to believe about forgiveness, at least one of them. Uh, Lie number one is this, there is not much to forgive. Now, I know there are a precious few of us who will actually articulate it this way, because it sounds so arrogant, doesn't it? Oh, there's not much to forgive in me. There are a few of us who will articulate this lie, but there are many of us, many of us, who actually believe it. Jesus says, those who are forgiven little love little. I don't know if anybody in Christ is forgiven little, but some of us think we are. If you find yourself vulnerable to this lie, if you've succumbed to this lie, here's one of the ways you might know it. When you hear phrases from the Bible like, the wages of sin are death, there's a part of some of us that say, the wages of sin are death. Like that, that feels like overkill, doesn't it? Like a sledgehammer for a housefly? 
the wages of sin are, what about the wages of sin are time out. The, the wages of sin are the community service of listening to sermons. That sounds a little more speed. There's a part of us that think, no, that's overkill. If you're vulnerable to this lie, it's going to be easy for you to feel like God owes you. More than it is to appreciate that, that God delivered you. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But I'm a pretty good person. I'm kind of ahead of the curve. I haven't done anything that awful. And in your being, in your innermost being, when things don't go well, it's easier for you to feel like God owes you than it is God, God delivered. Don't you mean like God gave me a hand up? Like help me a little bit of the way? A halfway assist? Simon is going to play this part in the story. And interestingly enough, the antidote to this lie, if you're vulnerable to believing this lie, um, that there's not much to forgive, it's not, Simon, go sin more, and you'll appreciate forgiveness more. No, what Jesus tells this woman, I mean, what Jesus tells Simon is, look at her. Look at her. Look at this woman, and you will see something that you don't have. The dependence, the reckless gratitude. She doesn't care what anybody else in the room thinks. The connection she has with Jesus. And isn't that what we're all after I mean, isn't that why we keep coming back again and again and again? That connection with our creator. And if you're vulnerable to this lie, the antidote that Jesus gives to Simon is look at her. The connection with the creator, she has it in spades. Lie number one, there's not much to forgive. Lie number two is almost the inverse of that, and it's this. Forgiveness is a myth for me. Now, like the first lie, this is one that we don't usually articulate, but we often believe. We believe it about ourselves. There are people present this morning who perhaps need some convincing that there is much to forgive, and there are others who need no such convincing. The, the woman in this story did not battle lie number one. In fact, the city was quite proficient in indicting her sin. It's a lie that we don't usually articulate. Well, forgiveness is a myth. That sounds sacrilegious. But when we think about it, we think about ourselves. This is the lie that we carry around. We celebrate forgiveness theoretical. But our experience actual is to be tormented by guilt and shame with no expiration date. If only you knew, we say to ourselves, if only you knew. If only you knew the full story. If only you knew what I did, what I'm caught in, what I keep doing. If only you knew there's no prescription for it. We think to ourselves about ourselves. I, I wonder if this is what Peter felt 
when he went back to fishing? After he had publicly denounced Jesus in his hour of need? I mean, personally and publicly, and you think you just don't come back for that. How easy would it be to believe that you just don't come back for that? And so he goes back to fishing. You know, I've often raised my own eyebrows at the preaching assignment. Peter at Pentecost thinking, surely couldn't we find somebody else? Anybody else who didn't just denounce Jesus publicly and personally? Or how about just once instead of three times? And you think, is, is Peter qualified? Well, it depends on what he is announcing. What is it that Peter comes and the message that Peter preaches at Pentecost? Is he qualified? Well, if the message is about receiving forgiveness, can you find anybody better? Is he the least qualified or the most qualified? If you're vulnerable to this lie, believing that forgiveness is a myth, at least for you, the antidote to this is the same as the first. Uh, Jesus told Simon to look at this woman. I want to tell you, look at this woman. Notice as she comes before Jesus, she is not asking for anything. In fact, she's overcome with gratitude for what she received. Jesus sees her in a way that no one else did. Jesus sees us in a way that no one else does. I'm going to come back to your note card. How are you coming with that confession? If you're struggling and you don't have anything to write, just look at the person you came with and they may be able to help you out a little bit. <laughs> Which lie are you more vulnerable? You might write on your card, number one or number two. Or perhaps it's another lie that you've told yourself about forgiveness. Again, I want to gently invite you I'm saying gently, you're not going to sign it. You're not going to turn it in. Nobody's going to see it. But to make confession, because something happens in us. You may be writing down words like pride, anger, lust, jealousy. You may be writing a sentence or a story. What has eroded your connection with God? A neighbor. No sin, there are things that we do and there are things that we left undone. As you work on your confession, let me invite you one more time back to Simon's house to notice just a couple things. One, uh, Luke 7, 44. Notice the posture and what happens here in this moment. Jesus turned to the woman. He's looking at her, but he's speaking to Simon. He looks at her and speaks to him, says to Simon, do you see her? Do you see her? Today I envision Jesus among us and the Holy Spirit raising our eyes. Woodmont Hills Church, do you see this woman? Do you see her there? Do you see her reckless gratitude? Because she doesn't care what anybody else in the room thinks about her, what they say about her. Do you see her connection with our creator? It's Jesus who draws the comparison out between Simon and this woman. 
He's a fair, he's respected, she isn't. He gets a name, she doesn't, but she has something that he does not. See the connection. Simon offered no water, no kiss, no oil. She hasn't stopped. Wiping his feet with her tears, kissing his feet, pouring out the costliest thing that was within her possession at his feet. I hear Jesus asking us again this morning, do you see her? Those who are forgiven much love much. See, I happen to believe that all of us who are forgiven in Christ are forgiven much. And when we realize that, not just here, but here, and then in our entire being, it changes things. It changes everything. And did you catch the last three words that Jesus speaks over this woman? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, most of our services... Our worship service is actually in with those three words, go in peace, shalom. It's more than the absence of conflict. There's a fullness to this peace. Go in peace. As we make our confession and you write down words or sentences or stories, I want you to think about what stands in the way of you leaving this room and going in peace. And the fullness of that peace. The forgiveness that you need to receive or extend. And in just a minute, Michael's going to lead us in a prayer of confession. A few words from a psalm. As we make that confession, my prayer is, as you hold in your hands these note cards, what you've written on it, that you will see and feel and taste the intersection of your own story with this larger story, that you will catch a glimpse of the way Jesus sees us. Those who are forgiven much, love much. I believe that all of us who are in Christ are forgiven much. We just don't always know it. Ironically, there's this moment in the story where Simon realizes Jesus can't be a prophet. Like, he couldn't be a prophet. Because if he were a prophet, he would know. He would know what kind of woman this is. I say ironically because not only does he know what kind of woman it is, he knows what Simon is thinking. Jesus demonstrates this ability to understand what's going on in here. And in here, Jesus knows us and sees us and loves us like no one else will. So I want to invite you one more time to look at this woman. And then look at Jesus. Can you see the way he looks at her. Because if you can, you may just catch a glimpse of the way he sees us. Let us confess.
That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.